volatility, uncertainty, complexity. This is the work environment that is our reality. What will leaders need to know to be successful in the future? Who will they need to be to build team member commitment? How will they need to show up to create a motivating environment for their people? Welcome to the Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership podcast, a dialogue about how leaders will need to adapt to be successful in a rapidly changing world. And now, please join your host and executive producer, Sal Sylvester, to engage in the conversation about the future of leadership and how to transform people into confident leaders. Hello and welcome to season two of Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership. I am Sal Sylvester, your host and founder and CEO of 512 Solutions, an executive coaching leadership development firm based here in Boulder, Colorado, helping people transform into confident leaders. I'm also the founder and CEO of Coach Metrics, a cloud-based tool we developed to measure behavioral change in leadership development and executive coaching. Thanks for joining me today to talk about the future of leadership. As you may know, season two is all about creating organizational and cultural alignment so that you can start off 2020 and this next decade on a solid foundation so that you can be the architect of your business, of your team, of your organization, and maybe most importantly, your life and lead that life in a very intentional and on-purpose way. It's January 6th at the time of this recording, and I'm back at work after having two wonderful weeks off enjoying the holidays with my wife, Rachel, and my six and three-year-olds, Eli and Max. It was an awesome time to step back, refresh, decompress, and come into 2020 ready to make a bigger impact on this world. And as I get resituated at work, I'm reminded of how important it is to have a plan so that everything that we do at 512 Solutions and Coach Metrics is aligned aligned toward a vision that we have for the next month, the next quarter, the next year, and beyond. In our last episode, which was the first episode of season two, we heard from Eric Reamer, the CEO of Evercommerce, and he focused on cultural alignment in that episode. We talked about how to create a healthy platform using business to do that. Today, we're going to get very practical and focus on organizational alignment, how to create a strategic plan an operating plan, and then a governance structure for the year ahead. My special guest today is someone I have known for quite some time. His name is John Wittry, and John is one of our senior executive coaches and master facilitators on the 512 team, and he also has a similar coaching and leadership development firm of his own. John is an amazing human being who has been active in training, executive coaching, and facilitating strategic planning sessions for clients For over 25 years. John's clients have been incredibly diverse from foresters in the Pacific Northwest to a large number of Fortune 100 companies. John has a broad perspective of the challenges that leaders face and how to support them in breakthrough achievement. As you listen to this interview with John today, I think you're going to be surprised on how he talks about and defines accountability. Uh, Don't forget to check out our episode notes on our podcast page at 512solutions.com, where you'll find some additional resources to apply the frameworks that we talk about in this session, including a leadership alignment tool and a link to our 39-page goal-setting guide. That's one of the changes we're making in season two to give you more 
tools that you can really use to apply what we talk about during our podcast episodes. Hey, enjoy the episode today. Let's go out to that interview with John right now. John, welcome. And as we talked about before the show, this season is really all about organizational and cultural alignment. And you have a deep expertise, not just in executive coaching, but in facilitating strategic planning sessions with clients. So we're going to get into that. But before we get into that process, the strategic planning process, I'd love to hear from you. What are some trends that you're noticing either in the workplace or in our world that are impacting leaders today? Yeah, thanks uh, for that question, Sal. You know, it's interesting knowing that you were going to ask me that question. I wanted to come up with something that was super fresh and and uh, state of the art. But but if you if you really want to know what I'm continue to see in terms of trends, they're kind of age old. There's really three things that, and, and this could just be my orientation and a bias of mine, but people's ability to focus on the right work uh, continues yeah. to be a really big challenge. And, and in some ways, technology has really helped that. And then in some ways, as we all know, between email and texting and all the other things out there, technology is a real deterrent um, to our, our ability to focus. I think the other thing in the area of focus is just that there's so many demands being put on our people. The marketplace is constantly changing. Competitors landscape is constantly changing. So an organization's ability to stay focused on what they do best and really execute well is key. Mm. Along with that focus, and again, age old and, and probably a bias of mine, uh, is this area of accountability. And one of the things that I, I seem to be helping my clients more and more with is establishing a systematic approach to driving accountability, helping people be accountable. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's something that I've been saying for quite a while now is I think it's very difficult to hold people accountable. I think that's more of a command and control style of leadership that quite frankly, I think is fading away. And so what I've really been seeing is people's appetite is, is improving for helping others be accountable and really teaching mm. people what it means to come from a place of being accountable in their personal mm. life and in their professional life. And if there was a, a third trend, and again, uh, nothing new really, but I think a renewed focus is the importance of good leadership. And so leadership development at all uh, levels within an organization continues to be a, a, a primary focus. Um, interestingly enough, combining all three of those things, focus, accountability, and leadership development uh, has been kind of fun. Well, and I think uh, to your point, they're age old, but they're, they're relevant and maybe more important than ever as the pace of change increases, as the complexity of our work environments increase, uh, the focus, the accountability, the good leadership development is imperative, all yeah, of them. Sure. John, real quickly, help me understand the distinction here around the accountability component that you mentioned. So holding others accountable versus helping them be accountable. How do you see the difference here for leaders? Holding people accountable, I guess the way I look at it is uh, we agree on what you're going to do and then I nag you to make sure that you get it done. And when you don't do it, I, I come up with some, some stick and I make you wrong or I make you bad. And, and so now we're operating from that make wrong place. And it, it works. I mean, at some level it works. People have been doing it for a really long time. But that's me holding you accountable. And that's, that's accountability coming from me to you. And so it's a really outside in leadership. 
And, you know, as you know, in a lot of the work that you and I do together, we're really trying to help people operate from the inside out. So really from, from holding people accountable to teaching them to be accountable. So I want to, I want to help my people, whether they're my clients or the people that report to me, I want to help them establish an internal way of being that's accountable so that they are their word so that they understand the ramifications of missing deadlines and not getting projects done to full completion, whatever it might be. But I really want it to be an internal driver of accountability as opposed to an external driver of accountability. And for me, that's the distinction between holding people accountable as opposed to teaching them to be accountable, external yeah. versus internal drive. Yeah. And there's a different level of commitment there. Uh, that internal locus of control or that internal sense of motivation versus having it come from that external source always drives a higher level of accountability. Yeah. And quite frankly, I think one's sustainable and one's not. If I'm a leader who holds people accountable, it's only as sustainable as I can keep it. And if my organization gets really big, I can only hold so many people accountable at any given time. But whereas I create a culture of being accountable and I help that be an internal driver for my people, that's sustainable because, in fact, it's coming from inside of them. They're driving it. I'm not making it happen on and on and on. Yeah. There's a level of scalability that comes with the being accountable versus having that command and control uh, where there's a paternalistic uh, focus of a few people at the top that that have to do that, use the stick. Uh, It's a great segue, John, especially, I mean, all of this, the focus on the focus, uh, the accountability, the leadership, it's, it's a great segue into strategic planning. And you often start your strategic planning conversations and sessions with executives with a distinction around agreement versus alignment. Talk more about that. Yeah, you know, I think as we talk about the distinction, we have to be really careful not to try to define alignment and define agreement. So let me start there. This, 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 okay. Please don't go in, in your listeners shouldn't go there in their mind trying to define those two words. What I try to do is create the distinction. And in, in when I'm sitting in a room full of people, um, oftentimes they think they need to all agree on whatever it is we're talking about, whether it's the strategic plan or the operating plan or specific goals or due dates, whatever. And the thing that I try to help them understand is you can separate those two things, is you can actually align to something while not being in agreement. And, And I'll give you and the listeners a very quick illustration of this that really helps me understand it and helps my clients understand this. So I live in Colorado, I-25, 75 miles an hour north through Denver, there is an off-ramp that goes onto Highway 36 that I think drops down to 40 miles an hour before you get on Highway 36, which is 65. Well, that off-ramp is cambered. It's cambered and it's very nicely slanted. So in fact, you should, in my mind, you should go 75 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour on the off-ramp because it's cambered and then on 36 because, because that just seems right. And plus I have a little <laughs> midlife crisis sports car. So I like to drive fast. <laughs> But it's a perfect example of alignment and agreement. So I fundamentally don't agree that that off-ramp should be 40 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And every time I go to take that off-ramp, I have to choose. I get that I don't agree with it, but do I align with that 40 mile an hour speed limit or not? Now there's consequences 
for not aligning with it. And they're roughly about $375 worth of consequences. Right. I know. But Do you I, have I, that experience, I, by the way? <laughs> I have that experience, yeah. But, but I like to use that example in my corporate setting as well. There are many things when we bring a group of people together that we're not all going to agree on. The question is, can we articulate our thought process, how we see a thing? Can we really help people feel heard and understood? And then can we choose into alignment outside of agreement if necessary? Mm. So the, the key point is, if you're going to align to something, that means there's no meeting after the meeting. That means you're going to support it with time, resources, money, whatever it might be, even though you may not agree with the fundamental decision. And so it's really super critical for people to understand that there's a distinction between alignment and agreement. And it's fundamental that teams align. It's not fundamental that teams agree. And I think that's where people find a lot of freedom is, oh, I don't have to agree. I just need to make sure that I'm heard, that my point of view is considered, and then I personally have to choose whether I'm going to align or not. Yeah, you touched on so many important things there, that feeling of being heard and understood to me is such a core human need, right? And when people have that feeling, that sense that they're truly understood, they are much more likely to move forward in that aligned way, even if they disagree with the decision. And it's not even a realistic goal to have eight or 10 or 12 people on an executive team all in agreement on on any given decision or even a strategy. But when people feel heard, they're much more likely to be committed. You know, it's funny. So you're in the same business and we do this work together sometimes. But I think so many times, whether it's coaching or strategic facilitation, whatever it might be, I feel like sometimes my job is just to help people feel heard. Hmm. It's less about being smart. It's less, it's less about anything other than making sure everybody has a voice. Everybody's listening to understand instead of listening to respond so that the best, best possible decision gets made. Synergy gets achieved whenever possible, but really that people come out of those rooms feeling as if at least they were heard, if not, if their idea didn't get adopted. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point. So John, the the strategic planning process that you use, that we use together is really composed of three components, the strategic plan, the operating plan, and then the governance component. Let's break each of those three down because I really want our listeners to walk away with, especially as we start this new year and this new decade, a model for creating that focus and that accountability that we talked about earlier in, on the show. So let's talk about strategy. What is it? What's the time frame? How do you generally define strategy? Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe I want to start this conversation by saying anything I'm about to say isn't original to me. I mean, I have been so fortunate to work with really great organizations and read really great books. And mm-hmm. so I've just gathered a whole bunch of different data and, and then taken that to my clients. So, so, so you ask about strategy first. For me, strategy is really the highest level look an organization can do and and for the longest period of time possible. So typically, in today's day and age, it used to be longer, but it's getting to be where two, three, maybe four years, what's the outlook? Um, And it's made up of classic things like vision, mission, values, 
um, our unique market position. You know, the, there's there's just some key attributes that, quite frankly, shouldn't change frequently, and those get tucked into strategy. So our values, we shouldn't be you know constantly changing our values. We shouldn't be constantly changing our vision or mission. So those things are more static in nature. Mm-hmm. And so I think any organization should have a clear strategy. And I think that strategy should be reviewed and evaluated every year, quite frankly. I think it should be articulated constantly within the organization. And then I can see it shifting or morphing over the course of, like I said, anywhere from two to four years um, in our fast-paced environment these days. Fundamental changes in strategy happen when you do acquisitions or things like that, but those are kind of special circumstances. so, so your strategy, your highest level viewpoint, vision, vision, values, unique market position, that type of thing. And so your strategy then becomes the umbrella for what I refer to as an operating plan. An operating plan is a maybe, well, quite frankly, depending on the organization, anywhere from six to 18 month view of the actual work that has to get done to drive the strategy forward. So really... This is made up of high-level areas of, of, of key focus. It's made up of, of high-level objectives, projects, metrics. So it's, it's the what we're going to do. It's, it's the, the actual work. It's what gets castigated down in the organization. Quite frankly, it's what compensation tends to get built up around. That strategic planning process to develop the both the develop and refine the strategy and to create the uh, operating plan must, in my opinion, occur at least once a year. Mm-hmm. And you know, people do it. it. It depends on whether you're on a calendar year or a fiscal year. So when during the year doesn't really matter. It should be very, very consistent. But it but it really needs to be done once a year. And you know, for many years, I've helped people do both the strategy and the operating plan. And, and there seems to be a third component that, I don't know, people have the most resistance to. Mm. And it's the accountability process. So how do we take that strategy and that operating plan and how do we keep it alive? So many people create a strategy and an operating plan. They create a really nice PowerPoint deck. They put it in a file folder and then they go back to doing their email and living out of a rare, very reactive tool. So I'm a big fan of coming alongside my clients and helping them establish some sort of a governance process. What is a routine cadence? And by the, by the term routine, I mean monthly or, or at worst quarterly. What's the cadence by which we take a, a good look at our business? We look at our uh, operating plan and essentially from a target actual variance point of view, see where we stand against those high-level objectives, celebrate what we have accomplished, idea, identify any course corrections that we need to make, and then clearly articulate what we're going to accomplish in the next 60 to 90 days. And I think that organizations, my experience actually, is that organizations who are very disciplined about having an accountability process have a higher level of achievement rate of those goals and then therefore their strategy. Mm -hmm. But I will also say everybody gets their head around creating a strategy. Everybody gets their head around creating an operating plan. But where I experience the most resistance is that accountability process. 
And, and, you know, quite frankly, people get really accustomed to working in the business, doing email, going to meetings, things like that. And, and this governance process, this accountability program is really their opportunity to work on the business. It requires us to slow down, which many of my clients don't want to do. It requires us to take a higher viewpoint. It requires us to be accountable. It requires us to take ownership of the results that we've accomplished, take ownership of those things that we haven't accomplished. It creates fantastic conversations, but they're not always easy. And so it's just a little bit trickier for people to get excited about being accountable, being honest about where they stand, and then also having difficult conversations when you have team members, partners that aren't being accountable and helping drive them to a more accountable position. So strategy, operating plan, both of those things supported by a clear accountability or governance process. Your senior leaders are probably smart, talented, and results-oriented individuals. We also know the hidden costs when those driven leaders don't have healthy and aligned relationships. They lack trust, they avoid productive conflict, and end up revisiting decisions over and over again. Teamwork at the top shouldn't be this hard. And the changing landscape of business with disruptive technologies, culture shifts, and new demands require leadership teams to move faster. At 512 Solutions, we don't run fluffy team building programs. Our holistic and proven process integrates the best of team coaching, individual executive development, assessments, and evidence-based measurement to create sustainable results where we raise the consciousness level of both the individual and the team. As a result, you will have a team that communicates better, collaborates with ease, and increases its agility in dealing with the increasingly complex workplace that is today. This is a program for all executives who care about the future of work. You can learn more on our website at www.512solutions.com. Let's go back to our interview now. Well, part of what I like about that governance process, John, it, it actually adds agility into and intentionality into the overall process. So as things change, a lot of times you and I are working with Fortune 100 companies, and many times we're also working with smaller, fast-growing, high-tech companies. And yeah. so a six-month vantage point for a company that's scaling from 200 to 600 people uh, is like a whole nother year yeah. for a Fortune 100 company. But what I like about the accountability process, it just adds that it adds agility, meaning as things change, we intentionally modify the operating plan and then we adapt and pivot to whatever's happening in the market. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think the other thing that comes to my mind as you are articulating that is in some ways it keeps us from pretending. So one yeah. of the things that I yeah. noticed is that clients, when they're doing their strategic planning, somehow think they have a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. And that they can see six months, a year, two years out. And I think at the moment, they sure can, but things change. Marketplaces change. Environments change. And if we don't shift our operating plan accordingly, then we're working on things that are no longer relevant. And, you know, engagement is a big topic. It's not one that I talk too much about, but it's a big topic. And I think sometimes we have engagement problems 
because the work that our people are doing isn't relevant anymore. They can see that. They can see that we're just going through the process of something as opposed to really working on work that matters. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. You know, as, as we're talking here, it, it just occurs to me that the work that we do, a lot of it is around strategic planning and a lot of it is also, and to me, that's the what, and a lot of it is also around the how or how teams work together and they're both equally important. And the how also informs what happens during the strategic planning. So the dynamics that are so critical, so important for teams to be able to have that healthy dialogue and debate so that they are making the right decisions and they are aligning around the right strategy. If the team dynamics aren't healthy, I think it's really hard to get to the right strategic plan ultimately. That's 100% true. And and this could be the cranky side of John coming up. I don't know. (laughs) As I'm getting older, I'm, I'm getting certainly getting more opinionated. But I've been doing leadership training, if you will, for 25 years. And and one of the things that I've come to love, and it's become a guideline of mine, is any leadership that development that I get involved in, I want to make sure I'm coupling it with real work. Yeah. So for example, I'm not a big fan of, of going into an organization and conducting a leadership development training and then leaving. So what I've what I've been able to get my clients to understand is let's do leadership development in conjunction with strategic planning. Let's do leadership development in conjunction with developing the operating plan. Let's do leadership development in conjunction with these accountability uh, review or governance processes, because that allows us to take these leadership concepts and apply them real time. And so I have been having over the last five, six, seven years, been having so much fun doing leadership development work inside of these other key business processes that most organizations follow. Well, it just makes it more relevant. Yeah. It makes it more real as opposed to theory and frameworks that then people don't know how and where to apply. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense uh, to me as well. Um, and there's something else that having that clear strategic plan does is people don't have to guess. So in addition to not having to pretend, as you mentioned earlier, they also don't have to guess because they know what is expected from both the what and the how point of view. Yeah, absolutely key. Absolutely. John, just a couple last questions here and we'll start to wrap up. Um, you do a lot of executive coaching. We both do a lot of coaching together. How does coaching, either one-on-one or even group coaching, now link up to the strategic planning process? How can it help support that process? Uh, exactly. You know, and you, you touched on this just a second ago. The best plan um, um, executed by a dysfunctional team or a dysfunctional leader probably isn't going to work out so well. Mm, right. <laughs> and so making sure that in addition to a really robust and effective plan, you have the right people in the right seats um, is absolutely key. And in some cases, we have the right people, we have the, them in the right seats, but there are some behaviors that are hindering their effectiveness at the individual level or at the team level. 
And so one-on-one coaching and group coaching can identify those things that are hindering. And in real time, we can call those things out. We can give really clear examples of where their behaviors as an individual or a team might be dysfunctional or holding them back. And then we can get into a coaching relationship to help them shift those behaviors. And so uh, with enough time and with enough effort, now we have a strategic plan um, well thought through and in place. We have an accountability process to support that. And we have conscious leaders getting better as leaders driving that plan forward. So the conjunction of whether it's individual coaching or team coaching, building those things into the strategic planning process becomes very, very effective. You have a very holistic approach to getting great work done. Yeah. You mentioned the key word, getting better. You and I tend to work with really effective, healthy leaders as a starting point. And so the way that we approach coaching is typically not uh, someone's broken or needs fixing, but they might have a tendency where they show up and maybe they're overly passive. Or maybe at the other end of the, of the continuum, they may be overly autocratic or controlling. And so it's helping these leaders understand how these behavioral tendencies impact people, process, and the business and help them become better. They're already great. They're already fabulous and strong, but how can we help them become better leaders so they can drive that plan forward? I've met a lot of people in the 30 plus years that I've been in this world or in this business context. I've met no one, including myself, that doesn't have blind spots. Yeah. I find the most effective people in any industry still have blind spots. And those blind spots are blind spots. So they don't know what they don't know. And so having coaches in their world, you know, especially at the senior executive level, they don't get feedback. And Mm -hmm. so they need bold coaches to call it like they see it and help them see what they can't see for themselves. And then they can choose into adjusting those behaviors or not. it's It's what I love. I mean, you can tell my passion goes up when I start to talk about it. Yeah, without a doubt. John, thank you so much for being on the show. I know this has been extremely insightful. People have a framework now to set their 2020 up for success and really create a strong foundation. And uh, I look forward to the work that we're going to do to make this world a better place in 2020. Yeah, me too, Sal. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership podcast. You can get session notes on our website at 512solutions.com. That's the numbers 512solutions.com. Please follow and like the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're tuning in. And if you want to learn more about how we can help transform your people into confident and action-oriented leaders, please check out our website at 512solutions.com. I look forward to continuing the conversation about the future of leadership. I'm out.